This is the story of the first three times I met Kanye West. Uh, the first time I met Kanye West, just as a, a precursor, um, was while he was playing the Glow in the Dark tour. And my buddy, Big Sean, who I was sort of a part of his entourage, I made beats for him and, and uh, just kind of tried to stand as close to him as I could because he knew Kanye West. And... Kanye allowed Sean to pretty much bring about 20 or 30 friends to the Glow in the Dark show in Detroit. And at some point while the openers were playing, who happened to be Lupe Fiasco, N.E.R.D., and Rihanna, I mean, some Bill, uh, at some point while the openers were playing, Sean escorted all 30 of us backstage and then proceeded to take all 30 of us into Kanye's dressing room which now after doing tours of my own was probably a bit of an uh invasion of privacy right to bring like that many guests into his his dressing room and in fact not probably it, it was an invasion of privacy but um we were green we didn't know we didn't know any better and um we walked into this dressing room backstage at the palace, and Kanye was getting his hair cut um, by, I believe, Ivan Jasper, and he had a smock on, but it wasn't a normal smock that you would have a barber drape around your shoulders and neck after putting a piece of tissue paper um, <laughs> over your Adam's apple. This was a, a camouflaged bape smock. Uh, and it was fucking cool. Um, and so there, there's just 30 of us milling about in, um, in Kanye's dressing room and, and we're trying to look cool. We're trying to look cool. And, um, Kanye could see that I was I was trying to look cool, but that I wasn't cool, and um, he could see I was uncomfortable. By the is what I'm trying to say, and he very sweetly walked up to me, and put out his hand and said, "Hi, what's your name?" And he was just so nice. He was a nice guy, and um. Soon we were escorted out of the backstage area, etc. And um, a couple months passed, and I was on vacation with my family. Um, I had been spending the summer in New York interning for a record label called Def Jux, um, which is another story. But my internship had ended, and I was I was in northern Michigan with my family on, on Lake Michigan vacationing. And uh, Big Sean called me, and he um, knew I had been in New York, and he thought I still was in New York. And he said, do you want to come to Glow in the Dark show in New York at Madison Square Garden? And I said, I do, but I'm not in New York anymore. I'm in Michigan. And he said... Uh, you know, Jay-Z's probably going to be there. I could probably introduce you to him. And there was a silence on the phone. Um, where I just sort of thought, 
and he didn't say anything for maybe 10 seconds. And after this period of deliberation, I said to him, I should probably book a ticket to New York, huh? And he said, yeah, you should. So um, I overcame the fear of disappointing my family, and I booked a ticket to New York. And um, one of our family friends drove me to the airport. And I didn't have much money at the time, but um, this seemed like a worthy investment. And I flew back to New York, and Sean said that the tickets will be at will call um, under Don C., who is Kanye's right-hand man. And he said, um, you know, I'll meet you at Madison Square Garden. So we went to Madison Square Garden, my friend George and I, and we said went up to will call and said, hell, we'll wear... Uh, I'm Mike Posner. I'm here to pick up tickets. They're under on Don C's list. They're under Don C. And the nice woman at the counter said, "We have no tickets under that name for you." And um, I said, "Are you sure?" And I said, "Maybe try uh, Big Sean, Sean Anderson." I said, "No." So I called Sean. I said, "There's no tickets here." And he said, "Okay, don't worry about it. Just come to the studio." Um, I'm in the studio with Kanye, come here, wait in the lounge, and then we'll go together. And I thought, well, that's way fucking better than just waiting for you at MSG. Now I get to go to the studio and I'll be close to Kanye. Woo! Now mind you, I'm a huge Kanye West fan. Still am at this point in time. Kanye, he's the biggest artist in the world. Um, Stronger was being played on the radio. And... We just all looked up to him. I mean, we would go on Kanye's blog every day to see what clothes and music he was listening to. It was a uh, it was a prevalent thought in my mind that if Kanye West liked my music, it could change my life. And there were a few artists in the world at that time that that had that sort of um, uh, power, if you will. In, in the type of genre of music that I made. And they were maybe Pharrell, Dr. Dre, Kanye West, and Jay-Z. And here I was, um, waiting in the lounge, um, next to a studio room where Sean was with Kanye West. And Kanye was working on 808s and Heartbreak at the time while touring, um, glow-in-the-dark and suddenly through the wall I could hear a song that Sean and I had done together it was called who knows Sometimes my mind wanders away from me. I know. and I produced it and sang the hook on it and Sean did the verses and I thought holy Holy cow, Kanye is listening to my music right now. And if he likes it, this could change my life. And so the song finishes and a couple other songs are played. George and I are waiting in this lounge 
and finally the the music stops um Kanye walks by the door in the hallway I see catch a glimpse of him he passes by and uh, a couple of other guys go by and then Sean goes uh, goes by and he leans in the doorway and kind of waves us to come along and uh I follow out the doorway towards the elevator and uh, the button has been pushed by someone and there's Kanye and Sean and a couple other guys in there waiting for the elevator and um, Sean says, Kanye, this is Mike Posner. He, he uh, produced and, and, and did the hook on the song that I just played for you. And Kanye gave me a pound. He didn't remember from me from the first time I met him. He uh, said, cool. Nice to meet you. Nice. Yeah, nice to meet you. And um, again, another another five to second, excuse me, five to ten second silence ensued. And very courageously, I said, so did you like it? You know, did you like it? And he looked at me very earnestly, not rudely, earnestly and honestly and said, No. He said, maybe that song could be for Lupe's album, but but not Sean. And um, I guess he could see the disappointment on my face or maybe my body language I was trying hard to to hide it but apparently not doing a very good job because he said sorry man and then he rattled off this amazing metaphor which uh, I'm not sure how he thought of that quickly but he said I'm sorry man Sean bumped it you said it I had to spike it And we walked into that elevator and pushed lobby. And there were only about three or four, three or four floors to go down. But that entire elevator, elevator ride, I was on fire. What he said inspired me so much, I could not wait to get back in the studio and make more music. I knew I had more in me. I knew I had better in me than that song. And we didn't go immediately to the studio. We went to the show at Madison Square Garden. And um, Jay-Z did a guest song. I ended up not meeting Jay-Z that night, but several months passed, and I did go back in the studio and, and work my butt off. And eventually I, I released a song called Cooler Than Me on the internet. And then I released a mixtape called A Matter of Time. And um, I'm in my junior year at Duke University and I'm, I'm recording these songs in my dorm room. And uh, they, start to, they start to kind of spread just via word of mouth. Um, first around my college campus and then around other various college campuses. And um, on my mixtape, Big Sean gave me three verses. 
And so people, um, though he wasn't as popular as he is now at the time, they knew he was signed to Kanye, and so they kind of gave me a listen. Okay, this is a, an actual artist, Mike Posner, and um, people like the stuff. And um, my phone started to ring uh, uh, in my MySpace at the time. The messages started to pile up, and um, my Twitter DMs, I was being contacted by record labels. And so I'm, I'm nearing the end of um, my second semester in the spring of my junior year. This is 2009, and I start to fly to New York. Um, with uh, my attorney at the time, Howard Hertz, and we were taking meetings with, um, you know, Craig Kalman at Atlantic, and where we go, David Massey at Mercury Records, and I met with Jimmy Iovine on the West Coast and at Interscope, and uh, so I did the, these these trips, you know, and then finally I was I was back at school, kind of like just trying to finish my my schoolwork and it was finals week um and i'd finished most of my courses i was in a sociology course and i still needed to to write this this uh, maybe 10 to 15 page term paper and my manager called me and said you've got to go back to new york I said, I can't go back to New York. It's finals week, man. I'm, I'm, I, I was just there. And uh, I just, you know, I'm a little behind on this, this term paper. And he said, um, Jay-Z wants to meet with you. And I said, uh, okay. <laughs> I said, okay. Um, and I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell any of my friends because I didn't think it would actually happen. I thought I was going to go to New York and I'd go to uh, the Rock, you know, uh, the Rock Aware building, where the Rockefeller building. And um, I thought someone was going to tell me Jay Z's, you know, he had he's busy and I was going to meet with someone else. That's what I actually thought was going to happen. And so I didn't parade around telling my friends I'm going to meet with Jay-Z because I didn't think I was going to meet with Jay-Z. And I didn't want to tell them that, hey, I didn't want to come back and say, hey, I didn't meet with Jay-Z. So I didn't tell a soul. I flew back from Duke University up to New York. And um, my manager at the time, Daniel Weissman, went with me and we met. Uh, actually, Mark Ronson was was in the building at the time and I spent some time with him and we waited maybe 20 minutes and or so and then we went back into this beautiful office and of all the record label executives I had met with this office was the most beautiful corner office in New York City gorgeous view and uh, there sat Jay-Z and he was wearing the Yeezys the first Yeezys and uh, he was wearing black diamonds on his wrist and I believe his neck and I was so starstruck and nervous and he could sense I was nervous 
because he was incredibly skillful at making me not feel nervous. I mean, I guess when you're Jay-Z, everyone's nervous around you, so you develop a skill set to make people not feel nervous. And his skill set was very developed at doing so. And so within five minutes or so, I was at ease with the guy. And um, I had my big old laptop, and we are trying to figure out how to plug it into a system, etc. And... Um, we got the sound working, and I played him um, uh, this song, Cooler Than Me, which uh, featured Big Sean. The original version featured Big Sean. And as soon as I turned it on, he kind of scrunched up his face and started nodding his head very fervently. Um... He was really into it. He really liked the song. And I played him several other songs from my my mixtape that I've been working on. And um, and uh, we talked for over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And I played him a couple other songs. And he said to his... His partner at the time, John Manili, said, so what do we do now? And John Manili says, I think we do a deal. And uh, the same way I was trying to mask my disappointment from my last interaction with Kanye West, I was trying to mask my excitement um, upon hearing those words. We should do a deal because a deal was something I coveted since I was a little kid, a record deal. That meant that I was no longer only legitimate in my own eyes, but I was legitimate to everyone around me. Suddenly, I would be justified in spending these, you know, long hours in my dorm room while everyone else went to the bar because that was the only time the dormitories were quiet. And I could record my vocals. Some, suddenly that behavior would be justified. I wouldn't be weird anymore. I would be special. Right? Thin line between weird and special. And Jay-Z said, okay. And so we talked a little more. And then I said, hey, I want to play you one more song. I mean, I had so much momentum going in this meeting. Uh... <laughs> my confidence was high and so I want to play you one more song and he said okay and I played him who knows the same song that Kanye told me he didn't like and it wasn't right for Sean I played him and the song finished and Jay-Z said you know, again, I had played this at the tail end of the meeting. He said, don't you ever forget to play that song. He loved it. And I went back to Duke University, and I was in the Lilly Library trying to finish this term paper, sociology course. And in a moment of procrastination, I checked my email, and there was an offer from the good folks at Rock Nation 
to sign to Jay-Z. It was the it was the record deal offer. And um I released my first album, uh, a different version of Cooler Than Me was released, uh, remixed by a, a very talented man named Gigamesh, and this song became wildly popular. And maybe a year or two passed since um, the meeting with Jay-Z, and I was attending the EMAs um, in Madrid, Spain, where I was nominated for an award that was not one of the big awards <laughs> in music. I don't remember. Best pop vocal with a, I don't know, something like that. And I didn't win it. But before the show, red carpet, you know, dressing rooms, and um, a buzz starts to go through the hallway. Hey, Kanye West is here. It's a surprise. And there was Don C, who I had met the first time backstage um, and I went up to Don Don had always been a really nice inviting warm personality we started talking and um, he uh, brought me to Kanye and said hey Kanye this is this is Mike Posner Kanye didn't remember the, the other two times meeting me I mean it's people don't understand the amount of people someone like that meets every day um, and I have I can identify with that in, on a smaller level now. Um, but he didn't remember me. And uh, he said, oh, Mike Posner. He said, yeah. He said, I really like some of the music I've heard from you. <laughs> so maybe a rejection is not a rejection. Maybe a rejection is the first step in us getting to where we want to be. Who knows? Sometimes my mind wanders away from me. I know I like my touchy up puff. Maybe one day I'll fly. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? That I could be what I want to I wish that I would do what I don't do I need a miracle, I hope it come through I'm trying to work it out, I need a jumpsuit Cause I done about had me enough and not having enough Slacking and stuff Mama on the phone not bragging to nothing Cause the son ain't really got shit happening much Saw my bank account like where was all the O's at? Hit the club like where was all the hoes at? Get a little change, you gon' see how shit change You gon' be up in the crib like where was all her clothes at? And ask your girl, she know It's easy to say no to a nigga that's broke But somebody with dough that got a little more Shit, I don't know Sometimes my mind wanders Who 
And I always had drive Gets where I'm going if I ain't got a ride And when they ask do you do what you love I'ma say I do if I ain't got a bride And I always kept faith like big Trying to do it big to my crib on cribs Man my girl ain't gotta worry about shit Cause our world is gonna be the shit So she could tell her mom I'm a keeper I am a dreamer I could have been a king huh I'ma put my hands together like an uplaw Look upward like what up lord I know if you try to, you could turn these gray skies back to sky blue. Was made for to give a go like a drive through. Give us opportunity and see what we do with it. Sometimes my mind wanders away from me. I know. I light my Dutchie up, puff. Maybe one day I'll fly.